The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. here with the wooden spoon and i have such a special guest on for this episode you've seen him in the sopranos you've seen him in the irishman this is robert fanaro robert thank you so much for coming on it's a pleasure nico to be on the wooden spoon thank you so much oh thanks for coming on this is uh this is uh this is a big one for me this is a fun guest um, <laughs> i've um see i'm like the generation that started watching the sopranos like right he's like I'm trying to think like 14, 15 years after it ended or no, not, not necessarily that, that long. Um, 2007. So like six, seven years after it ended, I was in high school. I was, oh God. I was on like a mob movie kick. And then I remember the tail. I was watching it. I, I was young and my parents would, it was like the last season. And I remember watching it on Sundays with my parents, not really knowing what was going on, but that it was a thing and everybody watched it. So I remember watching like the last few episodes, then I kind of rediscovered it in high school and started from like season one on. But since then, I've watched it so many times. So I'm a huge fan of you personally, too. So, again, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. It seems like there's a lot of people who are just reacquainting themselves. My niece was one of them. My niece, Karen, who's in television. She's a producer. Um, uh, starting out at Fox and and she just starting it and she says I have to skip over the, the part she'll probably skip over the part that I hit uh, the young call I think it's call mine with a Snapple bottle she'll probably skip over that too yeah. but she has to skip over some of the stuff not like you unlike you you know you're like me we're from macho men so I'm gonna be honest scary. I literally watched that scene like 15 minutes ago to get ready for the interview that's one of the most I think that's one of the most memorable scenes in like the whole series is when you hit him with that snapple bottle that was I mean it was like hilarious but at the same time just insane but yeah we, we did it on one take uh we had this special snapple bottles that are made for television or film maybe even well not stage because it, it was made out of sugar cane so um, it was a pleasure to do it because we just did it in one take and we didn't have to use a lot, a lot of them. Uh, it seemed to go perfect, the, the splatter, everything. And the only thing is um, Jeff Marchetti, uh, very close friends, who was very close with James, um, he, uh, he got a little bit in his eye, like a little, but it wasn't anything serious. But we were able to achieve that in one take. Wow. And uh, you only want, really want one take because that, that sugar cane goes everywhere, mm -hmm. you know? But it felt great. I mean, as an actor, you get to do things that you really can't do in real life. You probably yeah. kill somebody with that kind <laughs> of a blow would kill somebody. And who wants Tony Sirico coming out to, to get me? Oh, <laughs> <You> I know. know? <laughs> yeah. So but... that was a good, that was a good day. Oh my God, I know. One of the most memorable scenes for sure. But I mean, let's kind of take it all the way back. So how did you first even get into acting? I know you were on Broadway and that's how you met um, James Gandolfini, right? Right, I met him at Caroline's on Broadway. I was managing. I started there as a doorman and slash bouncer, the skinniest bouncer on Broadway. <laughs> that's what Lou Black used to tell me, all the comedians used to, because I had very little weight. The only thing I had going was my height and my, my Brooklyn attitude. Yeah. So, um, 
a friend of mine approached James after the second season, my friend Gordon Silver, and uh, Gordy went up to him and he said, hey, if I was you, I'd get my friend or you and your friend, Bobby Finau, uh, a part on The Sopranos. Now, prior to The Sopranos, a little backstory, I had done uh, the European tour of A Streetcar Named Desire in Scandinavia for three months. And that's how I met James. We became friends, good friends on the tour. Uh, it was a crazy tour, Scandinavia. Um, what can I say? Then eight or nine years later, he went out to Hollywood. I worked at Caroline's. I kind of started my fa a family. My, I had my son, uh, Tomas. Um, and um, I really wasn't serious, serious about acting. I had kind of... Uh, um, you know, said, I'll, I'll be in entertainment, but perhaps, you know, I was act, doing some auditions, but nothing really serious that pursuing it as James was. I mean, he did True Romance and he went out to LA. He met um, um, Sean Penn's brother uh, um, and they were good friends. And um, so he did it. And Gordon, who went up to him at that time, eight years later, said, he, you know, Where's Bobby work, James said. I said, well, he works on Caroline's on Broadway as a manager. He said, oh, okay. So what happened was in season three, he remembered, this is the way James was. Uh, and I played Stanley in, in Streetcar and he was Mitch. So there was a character, he want, you know, he came down to uh, Caroline's and he, uh, he uh, I saw him down there and I said, what are you doing here? I mean, nice to see you, James. And I may have seen him one time at Rudy's at a bar in Hell's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm just here to ask you if you want to audition for The Sopranos. I, I'm, I, I really can't promise you anything. I tried to do this before. It, it never really worked. But uh, I thought of you for a role. And uh, if you want to audition, you know, let me know and I'll, I'll hook it up for you. And that was James' personality wow. in a nutshell. James at that point was, you know, really, it was Sopranos was really hitting a big, big Nico. And uh, he knew his friends and uh, we always kept friends in a sense after I landed the role. And then I, I went to George Ann Walken, Chris Walken's wife. She's a casting director on Broadway at right across from Caroline's, which was of course from the Brill Building on 50th Street and Broadway. And her office was right across the street from the, of Caroline's and I studied all night. And anyway, I landed a role, make a long story short, our short story longer, it's getting longer and longer, but that's how I got on Surprise. And that was my first big professional break. And it was nerve wracking. And the first season was really nerve wracking. It was, uh, it was hard because I never really worked professionally before. I didn't know what I didn't even know where a mark was. And they had the AD looking at me like, hey, hit that mark, hit the mark. And uh, everybody had an attitude. No, not that. It was one of the greatest place uh, sets of, and everyone was really nice. And James, of course, yeah. he, uh, he actually, he really started, I owe my career to him. And that's how it, that's how it was. That's how it happened for me. It's a great story for sure. I mean, yeah. even like, yes that's 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 awesome and i i mean i hear like so many like you hear like all stories like you could search online about um james gandolfini like um, like the character he played versus who he was like as an actual person he seems just like the greatest guy in the whole world he was he knew his true friends were when you get that in that position that he was you got to be selective because some people are trying to have ulterior motives of mm -hmm. and james is always like that he yeah. always invited me to go see a Statue of Liberty with Michael, or his son, who's now in the, who's acting in the Many Saints of Newark. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I, this is for all the other actors that that might uh, 
be listening. And, and I talked about it on Talking Sopranos, which is going to air this Monday with Steve Schripper oh. and Michael Imperiola. So I want to give you the story, too. I was cast as Ralph Cifaretto. That was the role that Jimmy had thought of. Uh, that was uh, yeah. Joe Pantaleone's role. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, it just didn't work out. And they tried to make my hair gray. And, and uh, I think it was part experience, too. Uh, um, but, you know, I mean, it didn't work out. So, but, the, you know, David uh, James, I think, had something to do with it. Kept me on the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you look at that first season, you'll see me in the front credits. And although I did more towards the tail end, I'm still, you know, in the back credits, but it was kind of weird because like I was in the front uh, and in the back, and, but I had some really great episodes. The Members Only was a great episode. I won an Emmy Award for Terry Winter. I was part of that first episode. That really was a great episode. I mean, Pine Barrens is my favorite episode when they get caught in the woods, but I think a lot of people really could identify with Members Only because guy that wants to get out, plus James got shot, and Tony Soprano gets shot at the end, which I never knew about. But I was really cast as that. So it took a lot of um, um, courage to keep going because, you know, everyone looking at you like, you know, hey, man, sorry about that. You know, no one really said that to me. But, you know, in the back of their minds, they're saying, well, he got, he had that. Yeah, he lost that. But I, I think I, I lasted a lot longer than, uh, than Ralph Sefaretto. And mm -hmm. I think I can identify with that, with Eugene's character a lot more. Nico, he was more like me, a guy trying to get out. Mm -hmm. And that was me at Caroline's trying to get out of working at, in entertainment in the comedy field. I was there for seven years. Wow. So that was really my life story. So they married each other, so to that's say. Funny, and that's like, when acting, that's when acting is the greatest when they can marry each other. And that's what it's a good episode. I was gonna say it's called full circle. And I gotta be honest, like your role in, in season six was absolutely it was okay. it was fantastic acting. I was like like from like the scene of you trying to get out with Tony to like the family life scene. It was like, it was amazing. Honestly, I was, I'm like yeah. just rewatching it again. And like, I've like just passed in season, season six. And every time you watch it, you take something new away from it. And that's something I took away even before we started messing each other on uh, Instagram. Yeah. Well, you know, I, th I think it's important to tell that story because I think it's all our actors out there that, I mean, I know Andy McDowell when she was in, um, um, the film with Soderbergh, one of, one of her films that they had taken out her voice uh, and they replaced it with another voice. Andy McDowell, who did uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, I believe. Uh, she's a great actress. So there's a lot of uh, pitfalls as an actor that you, you, if, you if you have the, uh, the will, it's called will action, mm -hmm. to keep going, you can you know overcome those things that happen to you along the way. Some people just cave in, they say, ah, they have to, I'll just tell that story. To my grandkids, they I was on, you know, the surprise for, for for half a couple of episodes, and and then others, you know, stick it out, which I, I kept going, and and uh, I wound up doing uh, well. The last couple of things I did were really great, Ray Donovan, and you know, and also the Irishman. So. I was gonna say the Irishman. That must have been. Yeah. How, how was what was that set like with um all of those just heavy hitters? Um. It's a really relaxed set. It's family. Everyone is is Marty uh, Scorsese. He he creates a good, great atmosphere, a family like atmosphere. Um, meeting Robert De Niro, of course, mm -hmm. <laughs> is my hero. Growing up, Taxi Driver, everything. And but then you learn as an actor that you know you have to work with this person. You have to be, but you want to try to. And I was I'm, that Johnny, who I play, was kind of friends with him because mm -hmm. um, he introduced him to the you know to. Skinny Razor, played by Bobby Cannavale. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So I tried to break the ice and I knew some people, my mentor, Richard Bright, knew Robert De Niro because he did Once Upon a Time in America with Sergio Leone. Richard Bright, who was in The Godfather, also with Robert De Niro, but and maybe they didn't uh, didn't have any scenes together because Robert played the early um, mm. uh, Don Corleone. But uh, Richard uh, knew him and his wife, uh, Ratanya Alder, wonderful actress, who was in coming uh, um, um, The Deer Hunter. That's one of her greatest films. With, uh, uh, she was great in that. She played the wife of, um, uh, I believe, um, John Savage's wife in Deer Hunter. She knew Bobby from early on with the Palma. So I tried to strike up a relationship with these people, with Richard and, and, and Ratanya. So we just hit it off in that sense. He's very quiet now. He's very intense, mm-hmm. but we were able to talk a little very bit cool. about it, Richard. And Richard got hit by a bus on 85th, God mm-hmm. rest his soul. It was, it was tragic, but um, I, I felt that, you know, I needed to kind of get him to know, you know, good something going and it, and it worked. And it was, of course, with Marty, he, he lets you do your thing and then he'll tell you at the end, all right, do, do whatever way you want to. I, I don't just go ahead. What do you mean? Uh, just don't say whatever you want to say. And that actually that last take was the one he told me, you know, he told everyone just to let it happen and just say what you want to say and, and keep a little along the frame of the, the dialogue. It was the improvisation, some improvisation that I improvised there. So this just goes to show you what he, he gives you a relaxed state of mind. And he's, I've heard, oh, I think all great, great directors do that. Now on television, you have to go, like in Sopranos, you had to go by the script, Nico. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you deviated from the script, they're like, they're like <laughs> you didn't say no. You have to say no. Okay, okay. <laughs> just the way it is, unless you were Tony, unless Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy would get so frustrated. He he just he couldn't get a line. Something it was just frustrating to him. He just take a he just hit something, you know, just take his frustration out on something, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, even like back in the day, like Caroline's like, I'm a huge stand-up comedy fan. So like what was <laughs> did you like is that like a lot of inspiration for do you take like any like character inspirations from people that you've met like working there, or I guess like just like your life before acting? Yeah, I mean, um I got into acting. My uncle, director, uh, Father Joseph, he was a priest, a Monsignor at the end of his, his career. He used to do these Catholic charity productions and, and in Brooklyn, and he would raise money. And every year, whole family, the entire family, for Fanaros, would go to see his production. So I got the bug look, watching his productions. Uh, Hello, Dolly. They were musicals, Hello, Dolly. But they had a, con- you know, all those great musicals have, you know, I guess... The underlying theme is love, true mm-hmm. love, finding true love. Uh, sometimes true love don't, don't come easy, but uh, if it's fought for, then uh, you fight for it and, and you you win. So you can win true love. So um, that's another whole thing. But anyway, that's how I got the bug with for, for, for acting. And uh, I forgot the original thing that you asked me. Oh, Caroline. So... Caroline's, yeah, and I was there for like 70 years. I mean, I watched a lot of careers, Ray Romano, who couldn't basically get a spot at Caroline's. It was wow. like, so, he, you know, he's at this comedy cell and stuff like that. So, but Kevin James, him too. He really never got the spots. Lou Black, who, who was the, Lou Black was just always there. He was respected, but um, 
but some comedians who just came up, Greg Giraldo, uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan. Oh, wow. Um, Jim Gaffigan. Um, so I knew, I mean, at the beginning of their careers, before they got they big, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon was like, he'd do anything. He's like the little uh, errand boy. No, I'm sorry, Jimmy. He weren't an errand boy. <laughs> he'd do anything to get up there. And, and, and listen, it proved correct. He was really, really talented and very funny. He's very musical and very funny. And I remember when he first came in, he was just, <laughs> he's nice to everybody, which he probably still is. And, um, uh, but I, I still remember him <laughs> coming in and doing his set and uh, eventually building up steam and of course, getting that, the show, the show that he's on tonight's show, tonight's show, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. So cool, so cool. So what have you been uh, doing recently? I see like, I follow you on Instagram and you are like, like the home chef or you're cooking up a, a storm on Instagram. What is everybody doing, Nico? They're yeah. cooking, man. They're cooking, they're cooking. So my sister said, you know, you should get on Instagram. So I said, okay. So I was on Instagram and I started taking photos and using the hand. That's like Marty's thing with the hand mm-hmm. and taxi driver when I had the apple pie and she had a, a fruit salad <laughs> and he puts it in. So I, I, I kind of stole that from taxi driver, oh, you know. Funny. I had the apple salad and she had the <laughs> <laughs> Travis Bickle. So I, uh, gaining weight and, uh, <laughs> I think everybody is. And, um, some people are benefiting from it. Uh, my friend Sandra Torres, she's benefits from this because she's around the house, she takes care of my mom. And she's, uh, she, I say, try this, Sandra, try this. Uh, oh, this is good. Yeah, this is really good. So, I mean, I got a great, I got a lot of tasters. So she's, she's one of my biggest fans. Yeah down to pancakes sandra torres likes my pancakes <laughs> she's in the other room so, so. <laughs> anyway so yeah so they were talking to fish and then, and then a friend of mine well you know vinny pastor he's got a a a, a sauce a, a marinara sauce called yep. vinny pastor's marinara sauce and it's, it's very good you, people i'm not just saying it's good for pizza mm-hmm. and you know like you know put it in the blender and, and heat it up and put something in there some meatballs you want to make so uh, the guy um, the person or the president who, who runs it runs the show he contacted me andrew jedlika andrew andrew frank group and he and he uh, asked me if i wanted to maybe do something Start a cookbook. I said, nah, I don't want to do a cookbook. It's just everyone does a cookbook. And I'm not a chef. So, uh, what about a live cooking experience? And you know, you're on the Soprano. So, I said, yeah, that'd be good. Let's find a website. Uh, and we looked at a few websites. We had one that we didn't like. They were a little snooty. They, I posted some pictures and they wouldn't post them because I said, I'm doing a show. It's going to be about the home, my kitchen. It's like, yeah. it's not fancy, fancy. I don't get the little, I mean, although I do garnish the stuff, I don't put the little, the uh, on the plate, the little yeah. drizzle of the, the, the balsamic <laughs> vinegar, which I could do, but you know, I don't do that. I'm not really a big, chef. I'm not a chef, so <laughs> I just like to cook food and eat and eat. Mm-hmm. So I started doing it and posting, and everyone started getting these hits. I think I, the biggest hit I got was the um, uh, was a crab sauce that I made. It was like over a thousand, fifteen hundred people like loved it. So oh, awesome. he started he started saying to me, you know, why don't you try it? It's virtual. So we we touch a few shots, and then we got to this one site called Chef Speed. Dot com. So once a month, I do a cooking, virtual cooking class. There's a slight charge for that. I have to charge something because mom's recipes, Mama Fennell's recipes, they're not free. I mean, no, what's what, 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 you know, the, that's when I first got into an act, acting and, you know, there's a, uh, there's, there's been an HB studio, Herbert Berghoff and his wife, Uda Agen, um, who was in uh, the, uh, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the original Broadway production. 
uh, he had said before we started the, the, his workshop, he said, you know, there's a high price tag on things that in life and you have to pay that high price tag. If you want to, you know, choose something with a low price tag, you want to do that, you, you do it. There's need, no judgment on it. But if you want to be an actor, but it has a high price tag. So if you want Mama Fanara sauce, you're not going to pay a lot of money, but you're going to pay a few dollars. You, gotta, you know what I'm saying? You got to pay a few dollars. You, I know it's funny because my mom and I, we do a cooking show, like a few episodes here and there when we can. And it's like, oh, come on, mom. It's time to like show your meatball recipe. She goes, I'm not giving away my meatball recipe. (laughs) So uh, if you want. Well, I think that that's, you know, I think your mom's meatball recipe has value. Mm -hmm. I can understand her not giving, giving a meatball recipe away. But I think that people, if they want, they should pay a few, you know, there should be a price on it because I mean, if they like it, it's funny because how food, the generations passes it down from generation mm-hmm. to generation. Yeah. A lot of the dishes that we eat, Nico, those came from generations before. So people were hungry. Oh yeah. What do we do? Well, we'll take pasta. We'll put some beans in it and we'll make a lot of, we'll make beans and macaroni. We'll take peas and macaroni. We'll get the peas. What do you got in the free, you know, what do you got in, in the garden? We could put in with this pasta. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff, it came out of starvation for us. It's like delicacies. We love it. I know it's it's so it, I know I love I love that part of the Italian culture for sure like that part of it how like these people they like had to like fend for so much and they like made do with what it is and then it's now like appreciated so much um, throughout generations that's part of the culture that I'm absolutely fascinated with and love for sure yeah yeah I know because there's even certain recipes that um my mom has made that I've never even heard anybody else like in the whole world knows she makes this like onion sauce called Genovese and um, I've never seen it made by anybody else she like makes it with a giant roast and like grinds up all these onions and I've never seen anybody else make it but we eat it like onions an onion sauce from the from the from the bottom of the roast Mm -hmm. she uses the bottom that she she probably takes the roast out and she's got a little oil there but Mm -hmm. I don't know if she uses the oil she puts the uh, the onion she grinds the onion she puts it in there Mm -hmm. She might kill me for even mentioning this right now, but well, I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter because whatever she puts in, like, yeah, me, I I put in gravy master, so the gravy master gives it a color, yep, the sauce to to the drippings a color, and then of course uh, a teaspoon of flour to thicken the the sauce itself, the gravy itself, and you got to kind of separate the oil from the thing. But everyone has a secret. Like, there's a place for me not far called John's Deli. It's in Brooklyn on 13th Avenue. It's a newer plant in Staten Island. Um, and uh, they have this secret roast beef sauce. And uh, Sergio, how's that roast beef sauce? Oh my God, it's insane, it's delicious. Oh my God, it's insane, it's delicious. You can't get that recipe. I know the guy, I know Rob, he will not give that recipe. So I understand totally. It's a, it's a special ingredient. I don't know what he puts in it. Nico, it's just, it, it, it's just tremendous. <laughs> of course, he slices the, the roast beef cut is beautiful. He slices nice and thin, it's not fatty. And, um, so yeah, it's a total Where is food, this again? Food. It's on Nudo Plain called John's Deli. It's also on 13th Avenue in Brooklyn. All right, next time I'm um, in the city, I got to check it out then for sure. Yeah, in Brooklyn, you can check it out. I mean, yeah, in Staten Island, if you come to Staten Island, give me a ring, give me an email. We'll go together. We'll have a, we'll have, we'll have a Manhattan special and a roast beef sandwich. That's where cool. where are you located? I'm actually in Buffalo, Niagara Falls, New York area. Oh, I, I did a series called uh, with Michael Matson called. Uh, it's supposed to well, you know, it's a pilot. Uh, called for nothing it's with nicholas denman and also sean gloria they're local uh, uh local uh, guys i also i'm a fan of ballistic man he's from buffalo new york i don't know if you know him 
No, he's no. a rapper called Ballistic Man, and there's a couple of friends over there. I like Buffalo a lot. It was really nice. It wasn't too cold, and we yeah. had a good time. Like a, right, now, like right, a, now, right now, it's pretty cold for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But uh, you get used to it. And but like overall, like I love Buffalo, Western New York. It's a it's a big, it's family, nice, big family city, and yeah, everybody. And you're nice. right near Canada, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what we did. Once you turn 19, instead of getting a fake ID, you just go to Canada and you go drink on the weekends and go to the casinos up there. And then you walk across the border back to back to the falls. <laughs> right on. I like Buffalo. It was great. I, I mean, I, hey, check it out for all the fans and the wooden spoon. I got this at the Buffalo Airport, baby. Bills Mafia, baby. There it goes, baby. Bills Mafia. <laughs> I almost put some money down on them, but then I kind of backed out because they weren't doing too well at, towards the end. But I, I did like, I like the team. I like I the team. So here you go, brother. Bill's Mafia. Yeah, right, right there. First. <laughs> Buffalo, baby. <laughs> awesome. I love it. So in the next couple, uh, I guess this year, are we going to be able to see it like Soprano Con or Mob Movie Con? Are we going to see it at any of those places? Uh, Soprano Con uh, is supposed to be in the summertime. They slated it for the summertime in, in Atlantic City. So I, I saw I mean, I, I think I I signed in for the one that was in the fall. I'll, I'll definitely do it. Now they're doing virtual con. Yeah, uh, I saw I saw all those. Guys and um, I'm not, the virtual thing is really it's I mean, it's OK. I mean. I, I don't know. Happy birthday from Eugene Pontecorvo. I hung myself. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a guy who hung himself. It's supposed to be a happy birthday. It's great. Right. <laughs> I'm going to send it to all of my friends. Snapple the bottle. <laughs> Snapple bottle. I, I studied Shakespeare. I studied all of the drama, the streetcar in desire, everyone knows it. Hey, there's a guy with a Snapple bottle. He snatched that guy. That was great. Yeah, great. It's Snapple bottle. It's good. It's like, I'm no... You know, Edie Falco came up to me and said, you're going to be, people are going to recognize, you know, they're really going to, you're the Snapple. And she was right. I mean, mm -hmm. people just associate with violence. It's just like, it's just the thing with the violence and, and everything. It's memorable. That's why I was happy, Nico, when I was given members only, because there's about a guy, Eugene, who wants to get out. And how many people want to get out of their life situations? They're kind of stuck. They're locked in. And if you're a made guy like that, I mean, it's like Jimmy said, what do you think? You're a hockey player? Mm -hmm. you know yeah i want to get out of here it's not hockey i'll think about it i'm all over you really can't you're really locked in so people can identify with that they're in their lives and and they're kind of into their age maybe they're in their middle their career kind of they they want something better yeah. for themselves but they can't they're locked in mm -hmm. and we all would love to to do that to to uh, escape so to say yeah, that's actually. So I did it. I did it. I did it for my family. I, to me, I did it for my family. They don't say that on the mm -hmm. on the on the program. Michael Christopher calls me a mutt. Uh, the other guy says, "Eh, you know, he had some psychological work problems." I think it was Jerry Hesher ran the family, mm -hmm. but to me, it was always about if I take my life, I liberate my family. They you know, that's ex that's I can't tell you. That's exactly what I thought of it when I watched that episode. I'm I. I you're a good guy. You, you I know. swear to God, because then I thought like. Because right when I started rewatching, I said he hung himself, but now his wife and his family could move to Florida. They have all the money. They don't have to get everything. They're like, they're cleared of everything of like the witness protection yeah. stuff. And well, that's the only that, way. I mean, the I walls are closing it. in. Yeah. What'd you say? I'm sorry. That's I what I took from it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Very cool. So, yeah. Well, Robert, I cannot thank you enough. This has been a freaking blast for me. This is 
thank one of the most Nico. fun podcasts I've ever I've ever done. I can't thank you enough. <laughs> but uh, and we made else, friends. And you know, you come down here, or if I, I'm up there, if I if that pilot goes, I'll give you I'll look you up up there, and we'll go for dinner somewhere. Are absolutely. the restaurants open? Are the restaurants yeah. open? Fifty percent or hundred percent? Um, I think most of them you just have a hundred percent, but you have to stay six feet apart. I think that's like the oh, okay, all right. We're doing better. It's getting better, better and better every day. That's great. But where, where can everybody, where can everybody go follow you? And uh, they can follow me on Instagram. um, IMDB. The the IMDB now has like stuff that when you're, when you're, when you show or something's going on with an actor, they, they post times that, you know, they're with TV stuff that during the last thing I did was Ray Donovan without ad already. So uh, I'll be doing something for Renegade Nation. It's uh, Maureen Van Zandt, Penny Pastor. I'm directing and I'm also acting in a play called Painting X's on the Moon. And that'll be at renegadenation.com on YouTube. And awesome. uh, we're going to be uh, uh, presenting that play, an original play by Richard Viteri, uh, sometime in May. Very we'll cool. rehearse in April and we're going to be airing it. And uh, there are some stuff, there's some stuff on there that they, they did a streetcar named Desire. So it's a virtual Zoom. And um, it's kind of weird uh, relating to a green dot, but <laughs> it's what we have for now until yes. the theater's open. Yeah. So let me know when that is um, starting to come out. And we'll definitely uh, give all those shout outs. When those thank you, out. Nico. For sure. Thank but you. Everybody else. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this and we will see you in the next episode. Ciao. This is Generic American Sports Podcast Center. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Generic American Sports Host Podcast Thing. Today in sporting news, some things happened that were some stuff and some other things. Some statistical values to back up those things are this. As you can see, the thing I just said statistically did happen. Yo, wait a minute. I feel like I could listen to this show anywhere and be just as bored. Why am I listening to this stuff? You want a better sports experience from your podcast? Head over to Hats, Tats, and Stats on the BICBP radio network. Not generic, not boring, and a little out there sometimes. Tune in to Hats, Tats, and Stats on the BICBP radio network.